Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast episode 30. We are in 2018. Well, we've started 2018 for a while now. I am with the friend Lou Winkler. Can I call you Louie? Yeah. I call you Louie. Everyone else I introduce you to is Lou, but to me, you are dear. It is intimate. Uh, will you tell everybody how we know each other? Sure. Um, I think before we actually exchanged names, I could hear you orgasming in the other room. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, I, was, I was living in an apartment above you. Uh, that's how I was able to intimately get to know <laughs> Dr. Lindsay Doe. Yeah, we were both in school. Yeah, this I wasn't was, a doctor yet. I was uh, 22, 23. We were, because we're the same age. Mm-hmm. You were currently working on your master's, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, you were well ahead of the pack <laughs> in considering uh, all of the different academia that all of your other colleagues have. Yeah, I, I went full charge ahead and then came to a complete stop and would just sit in my windowsill staring outside. My well, yeah, I, I can imagine you're experiencing burnout at some yeah. point. Yeah. Okay, so you knew me by my orgasms, and then we actually came face-to-face in the laundry, laundry room. room. Yeah, and I think the exchange was I was just doing my laundry, and you said, Hi, I'm sorry for all the noise, and you were not referring to the sex noises, you were referring to, I guess, fighting with your boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was some heavy stuff for strangers. Yeah, lots of passion going on at that yeah. time. But at, at the time, I was like, oh, it's, you know, you do you. you <laughs> it's totally fine. And then anyway. we became friends' friends. Mm-hmm. And we have been for over 10 years. Yeah, since 2004. Four or five, yeah. Mm. Longer than my current relationship. Ooh. Yeah. yeah I like you. I, <laughs> I'm so glad that we're in each other's lives. And you've watched me grow up in that way. So we've had many conversations about sex. Mm-hmm. Want to have another one? I mean, that's... That's why you're here. Yeah. You're doing stuff with sex right now, right? Well, I, I mean, I do a myriad of things... Uh, one of them is voiceover work. Yes, and, tell us who you are, Louis Winkler. Uh, well, I, uh, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> but I do have a professional, well, I, I should say hobbyist more at this point because it's not exactly lucrative to do it, but I love doing it anyway, okay. commercial voiceover work. Then I moved into um, audiobooks, and then I started doing erotica audiobooks. Ooh. And it's... It's really interesting and cool once you find a piece of literature that's written really well to be able to empathize with those characters on a, on a different level. And I, I find it strange that I do have to create a pseudoname for those different types of work mm-hmm. because we, we currently do not habitate a open society that accepts those certain things. So keeping those things separate is weird for me. Because I always hope to be more in an open thing where I can just be me and I'm multifaceted and I'm not associated with uh, just teaching or just doing voiceover work. And it's sensitive because if my name is available on Google and I'm teaching to uh, high schoolers Mm -hmm. technology or animation, it shouldn't come up that, oh, yeah, I've also read for an erotica sort Mm -hmm. of thing because I think a lot of parents would have issues with that. Yeah. 
Silly parents. Yeah. So if you look up my name, it would not be associated with any erotica. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to use a pseudonym. It, that um, is a good question for me to think about is, do I feel that pressure in my life? Does it matter to me? How can I help people who are in your position to feel safer about their multiple identities? Oh, yeah. And, and allow other people to be open for that discussion as well, to, to make them feel comfortable enough to even bring that up with me. And this goes into a whole nother thing that you know about me in regards to the kink community and, and being a part of that. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to have a professional life and a personal life and, and maintaining the openness as well as having them separate. It's very weird. We live in a very strange psychological world. Yeah, we do. We totally do. Mm-hmm. I want to do an interview with a friend about pulling out and he's working on applying for jobs and just uncertain about how to have that conversation with me and present himself as everybody's employee, mm. you know, the vanilla character that can plug into any situation. And I, I don't know how to advise him except to give him permission to not use his full name and to say that I think the audience of Sexplanations podcast is very special and that they value open communication about sexuality. So if you're on the podcast, they're more likely to hire you than they're not. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> that, I mean, that's always the hope, right? That you can talk to people openly about these things and still be you and not have to put on the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have this question that's pressing on my brain right now. Yes, please. It's kind of throbbing, actually. <laughs> I want to know in erotica what your favorite words are to say. Oh man, um, it's funny actually. There's there's the the whole stigma behind saying swear words, and in the moment of passion, it makes perfect sense to say things like cock or even the other c word, which makes me feel uncomfortable to say. Really, you don't like the word cunt? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. I like it. It's appropriate. Yeah. For people to use it, I don't particularly like to use it. Oh, I think it's so sexy. <laughs> in the moment, absolutely. Between intimate exchange, absolutely. I think it's sexy all the time. Even when someone's saying it in anger? People say dick and asshole and they say cocksucker, motherfucker, all of those things in anger. And to me, it's using female genitalia as a put down. And that, to me, reads Mm -hmm. as equality. That's like, oh, yeah, there's no reason why using sex shaming as a... A put-down should be any worse for my body part than it should be for yours. Oh, I agree with that. Absolutely. I I just, having seen the reaction from people in use of those words, especially in anger, it's upsetting. I don't like to upset people. So I refrain from saying those words unless it is in the moment of passion and I'm comfortable and they're comfortable. I know they're going to be comfortable with me using that word. That's that's a little different. Have you been to Vagina Monologues? I haven't. (gasps) No. Louis, we have a date, February 14th, is which is really? Valentine's Day. But that's usually when they play it because I think Eve Ensler, who wrote it, mm-hmm. opens up copyrights on that date. And okay. so universities around the country can play it. <laughs> I might be wrong about all okay. of this, but Well, when it's open, we'll, we'll, make a, we'll make a date. Yeah, because there's a whole piece about the word cunt. Mm-hmm. And it really reclaimed it in my mind. I, oh, gosh, I love it so much. Okay, okay. It's a powerful word. I'll say that. All right. So your favorite to say when you're reading erotica. 
I, I don't have one particular word. I like the description of, of describing a particular orgasm. Whether oh. It's, you know, where <laughs> you have this, so cool. this rolling or boiling or, you know, these, these different descriptive words for something that may otherwise seem mundane, but I just like the use of it, especially in common language. To say the word boiling, I didn't think of it in terms of that until more recently. And now mm. that I, I hear the word boiling, it's like, yeah. I know that feeling mm. of boiling. So that's... That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Have you had to say sausage? Oh, yes. Many times. Really? Well, yeah, especially for the, the gay erotica. Sausage comes up a lot. Wow. I'm excited to hear what you read or read what you read or read more erotica to understand how all of that works because... Yeah. And it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of garbage. <laughs> there's, there, there's, and there's the, I think what's great for me is is the ability to audition for a particular piece that I find, this is nice to read. The one I'm working on right now is, it like I said, it's, it's well-written, but it's harder to get through because there's more emotional abuse between the two main characters. That's consensual or not? It's consensual, but it's also hard to empathize with one of the characters. But then the more you get to know them, the more you can understand why it's happening. But it makes for a more difficult read because it's it's not particularly sexy in those moments. I mean, mm. you can read fluff and just have it light the entire time, but that's kind of boring. Yeah. You know, we're human, and that's that's what I appreciate about some of this these works. Ooh, so cool. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good to play around with it. I like how... In my life, there are people just like you who I knew in a non-sexual context, even mm. though I was orgasming in the apartment below you. And we well, have stayed friends. Yeah. And over time, it is revealed how your sexuality plays out in very colorful, flavorful ways. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, I'm just a curious person. Me I, too. I really like being open about it. Especially in, if it's a non-sexual thing that has stigma behind it, like art modeling. For me, that was that was a big, nervous, tight moment where I saw that on a job where I'm like, oh man, I really want to do that, but I'm really nervous professionally. If you know, there's a there's a student that I've taught, mm-hmm. and I'm putting myself in this open position. How is that going to be conceived? Modeling nude for art. Yeah, yeah. Classes, mm-hmm. yeah. And. By making yourself vulnerable, you find that it's it's not considered sexual. It's considered human. Yeah. And that's part of it. So, like I said, opening yourself up to those experiences to see all of those different things. It's scary, but it's also it's just fucking human, man. Just, <laughs> it feels good to be human and feel vulnerable. Do you need that shirt? It's just fucking human, man. <laughs> without well, yeah, without sounding too lovey-dovey, sure. <laughs> Just fucking be human. I like that one. Just be a fucking human. Yeah, I like it. Louis Winkler merch coming out 2018. Okay, so before we get into the bulk conversation, which is about herpes, mm-hmm. let's do a shout out to our patrons. Our supporters, just in general, they're amazing. And these three in particular have gone above and beyond to show their love of the show. Donna Flint, Paul Nixon, and the Millers. In honor of them, I do a question for our guests. Testies, testies, explanations, testies. You ready for your question? It's multiple choice. Please. 
So I looked up the etymology of herpes and found that it comes from the word herpin, H-E-R-P-E-I-N, meaning A, rooftop, B, redness, C, like a plague, or D, to creep. Man. Instinctually, all of them sound good except for the first one. What was it, rooftop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it's part of it. That's good. I made it up based on the fact that shingles is a form of herpes and shingles go on a roof. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That makes perfect sense now. All right. Um, plague, creep, and redness. Yeah. They all sound like herpes. <laughs> so Good. I've done a good job <laughs> of fooling you. Herpin. Herpin. It sounds like creepin. I want to go with creepin. Well done. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, same with the etymology of serpent. They, ah. They're called cognates. Okay. And serpent comes from herpin to creep. Wow. The more you know. Right? So cool. All right. So I'm going to play some of our herpes episode so that we have a context for this conversation. Okay. And you can blame me. Why not put the hate on me for this particular thing? I don't I, want to. Well, it was at my recommendation, not necessarily for the shout out in the episode, but for you personally. They don't know. I'll know what we're talking about. Well, I know. We'll we'll get to it if we need to. (laughs) (laughs) If we need to. Okay, so we have sex explanations, herpes episodes. It's Dr. Doe's mission to now explain these sex positions. Welcome back to Herpes Talk. Most people get herpes when they're little kids from a relative kissing them on the mouth. And as you learned from the last episode, this can go oral to oral if they grow up and kiss someone later, or they perform oral sex on a partner in the future. As kiddos, they may have had nothing indicating that there was a virus present, few outbreaks over time that they may or may not remember. But they still have herpes in their bodies, which means any point in their lifespan, that ugly virus can rear its head and either cause an inconvenience or pass to another person. Every time that somebody who has herpes simplex virus comes in contact with somebody who doesn't, it's possible that transmission can occur, but it's not automatic. There are many variables that have a say in whether herpes sets up shop or not. I want you to know them all. First, you need to understand herpes, how it is transmitted, how it expresses itself, and how it affects the body. Second, get tested. The only way to know if you have herpes is to get tested. This applies to all sexually transmitted infections. When you go to the clinic, you'll be asked questions. Answer honestly. Then they'll examine you. Breathe deeply. This visit may also include a test. Ask which diagnostic tool they use and advocate for a blood test. Terry Warren frequently updates a herpes handbook that outlines a list of all the options available for testing. Three, if you have herpes, there are medications that can suppress the virus so that it doesn't act as friendly with other bodies. There are naturopathic and homeopathic remedies too. Remember that the virus affects the nervous system. So things that love on your nervous system mean good. Okay, I'm going to play that part one more time so that I make sure to hear what is being said. Three, if you have herpes, there are medications that can suppress the virus so that it doesn't act as friendly with other bodies. There are naturopathic and homeopathic remedies too. There are naturopathic and homeopathic remedies too. And so if I scroll down here to the comments, People say, Lindsay, please, please, please do not ever advocate for homeopathy. Speaking as someone with lots of experience as a biology research and good working knowledge of basic chemistry, I can tell you that homeopathy cannot possibly work by anything other than the power of suggestion. And then it goes on where people are essentially, ah, Lindsay, no. Yeah. It's it's a very – when you suggest anything, regardless if it's 
a particular type of medication or herbs even. People are very sensitive to those particular things. Now, having grown up with a mother who advocated for it, having not taken anything, and, and regardless of the scientific research behind it. Advocating, you're saying that your mother advocated for homeopathic remedies. Correct, because mm -hmm. when I was very young, I think maybe 10 years old, I had an outbreak around my mouth, a, mm -hmm. a really bad outbreak, not knowing where it came from, even what it was, uh, going to doctors uh, who just thought it was, I forgot what they th thought it was, just, just having a flu, mm -hmm. that it wasn't any particular thing that you can fix. You just got to keep it clean and wait it out, mm -hmm. only to find out later, oh, these are quote-unquote cold sores. Later found out, oh, this is part of the herpes virus. It's mm -hmm. And trying to find ways to recognize the symptoms and things that were used to treat it, my mother would give me that. She and, would give you a homeopathic remedy. Right. Like a little... Um, it's just sugar tablet is yeah, really yeah, all yeah. it is, um, along with B vitamins. So that seems to bring down the symptoms compared to everything else that I've tried. Mm -hmm. So at my suggestion, to give that to you when you found out that you were experiencing cold sores, mm -hmm. you could say that it worked for you. Right. So here's how the story goes. I had this partner I was super into. He went on a... And he didn't wear a mouth dam. I <laughs> didn't wear a mouth dam. Well, he went four-wheeling in the sand dunes and... The sun exposure really yes. instigates outbreaks. Yep. So he came back, and I don't think we thought anything of it. We were just like, oh, chapped lips. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he was herpes positive, but we'd been making out for years at right. this point. Made out with him. So excited to see him. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I know, I have a dragon on my face. Just so much anger and burning and itching and puffing. Yeah, the first time sucks because yeah. your body is just getting used to it so it doesn't know what to do it's horrible a, yeah so i think i was advised to use lysine and mm. i would just pack that on and be i was so careful during showers if i um, washed any part of my face i would then wash my hands before i touched any other part of my body mm -hmm. and i was just being as diligent as I possibly could, and it was just getting worse and worse. It went on for, I think, over a month. Mm -hmm. And you and I must have had a conversation at some point during mm -hmm. this where you passed on your experience, which was that you had used these tablets in right. conjunction with vitamin B12. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can <laughs> to make this not happen again. Right. And I don't even care if it's a placebo effect because I need to work with my body and not against it. And the lysine was clearly inflaming it. For me as well. It do lysine does not work for me. Even though it's marketed as, you know, this is for cold sores. For me, my body does not like it. Yeah. So um, for years after, I would get that little tingling feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it the, has a clinical name. The little bump that kind of feels like a pimple on your lip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so then I would take the homeopathic remedy and I would take the vitamin B12, not knowing at all that there was stigma around it because here in Missoula, True. that's a big part of our culture. I think we have a lot of people who believe in Herbs, naturopathic rem yeah. remedies. Yeah. So we do this episode and... I didn't recommend it. I just lay it out there as an option. And mm -hmm. people are pissed to this day. I would say 
even when I go and watch maybe SciShow episodes where I'm interviewed I, I, or yeah, well, yeah. somebody quotes me on something, there will be a human being in the comments of those videos or essays that mm-hmm. say this woman believes in homeopathy, she needs to be discredited, etc. Well, that's the thing. You're not you're not maybe that's where the anger comes from is that you're not a medical doctor that should be suggesting supplements or even even prescription medication. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's that's where the anger is stemming from more than likely. And I can understand the other argument that biologically there's nothing to prove that this works. You know, that's fine. Great. But maybe for someone who's watching the episode, suggesting anything in that regard that you would put into your body is, I think, cringeworthy for some people, right? You think that if I had said there's homeopathic remedies, vitamins, acyclovir, et cetera, that any of that— Any of that. I mean, just to say that seek a a medical doctor's opinion on this or a specialist— for this, that would have been taken much easier, I think, than suggesting any remedy. Because people have very tight opinions on mm-hmm. what works for their body, especially. Right. So do you still take the B vitamins? Like when you feel like you're having a flare-up? No. Nothing. So I did, after this episode came out, Nick, who was the videographer, director, and editor at the time, contacted me. And he was like, look, the feedback on this is terrible. Uh, do you think we should pull it? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't understand. I was just like, no, why, why would you pull it? People get shitty feedback on videos all yeah. the time. And I watched it and watched it. It was like, I am i didn't do anything wrong. I didn't tell people that they should yeah, do that. Right, I just right. said it's on the table mm-hmm. as something that people do. And so we left it alone. In retrospect, I don't know if I would do it differently. Probably annotations were a thing back then. So I probably would have immediately posted something of, I am not recommending this nature or the please choose to seek medical Mm -hmm. guidance before putting anything into your body. Mm -hmm. But now... I am in a different kind of conundrum because I have been using acyclovir for a while to nip it in the bud when once I get those tinglys. Mm-hmm. And this last time, so during the winter break, winter vacation, I think my system was like, you can calm down. You don't have a video shoot for two weeks, so let's put herbivores all <laughs> over your face. So it was, it was your a, nose. a post-stress-induced Something, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, I don't know enough about the body, but that's how I interpreted it and had this ferocious outbreak, which I was like, oh, no worry. I'm going to take these horse pills. They're they're cobalt blue, huge pills. Mm. And they have worked for the last, I don't know, three years Mm -hmm. to kind of hold off the megasaurs. And so I took them thinking, yeah, this will be fine. Tomorrow, people won't even notice. I'll be able to do a shoot next next week. We're good. And nope. My body was like, ha that's not going to work for you anymore. Yeesh. That's, so, that's weird. Yeah, I had a full-blown outbreak all through the holidays. You know, was wow. going to Christmas parties, <laughs> like meetings with sores on my face. I, I wonder if there's also some other dietary thing where you're consuming more sugar and does that react to the medicine in some way or I don't know I mean, I, my experience is that if someone goes down on me mm-hmm. without a dental dam so they're just up in that vaginal 
acid, Mm -hmm. and then they kiss me, and I don't clean it. Then I don't uh, wash my face as part of the going to the bathroom after sex ritual. Right. Then I will have an outbreak. Interesting. So in that way, I can tell you more than likely what instigated it. But I don't know why the medicine didn't, didn't work. React with Except it. that huh. you know, medicine tends to lose its efficacy. Yeah, which is why it's so important for you to take it in a prescribed form so that it doesn't get an edge ahead on you. Yeah, that is interesting that you mentioned that because my particular partner is very acidic, and if I don't do the post wash or make sure that I'm clean afterwards, I will have um, a reaction. See. Yeah. But she does not have herpes or cold sores, or at least she doesn't show symptoms. Uh, Oral or uh, genital. Genital. No, you're not getting it from the person's vagina. You're getting it from the acid Mm -hmm. because acid, sunlight, I don't know what the list is, but really just harsh conditions Mm -hmm. at the site of the nerve ending are what pisses it off and then Mm -hmm. causes it to come out of the spine and... If you're listening and you do have cold sores, you should just be clean. (laughs) (laughs) Wash your face after you go down on someone. Just in general, even if you don't have symptoms, just, I guess, clean yourself. Clean your face. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it works the same way for genital herpes because I don't have them as far as I know. I've heard both ways. I've heard that you can transfer it, then I've heard that it's not possible, so I'm not No, 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 but I'm saying, like, if if you had an outbreak Mm -hmm. and then had penis and vagina sex with your partner, Oh, would her vaginal acidic fluid then cause an outbreak on your genitals the same uh, way that it does when you go down on her orally? Interesting. And I don't know. I don't know either. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. We we need to look like a, a doctor on dial. Dial a doctor. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird that it is localized. For me, that it's just limited to the mouth. and that it Oh, only, that yours is? Yeah. Like, I don't have it anywhere else in my body. It's just when I feel stressed or, or have those extreme conditions. It's only on the mouth. Yeah. I mean, my understanding of that is that it, your initial infection happens at a specific nerve site mm-hmm. or multiple in an area. Mm-hmm. And if that fluid isn't moved around on that very, very first infection, mm-hmm. then your body builds up antibodies or some aspect of its immune system to fight it is. off for a re-entry at another part of the body. So unless it's a different strain, Mm -hmm. you can take it out. Oh. But that's my rudimentary understanding. I love studying viruses, Mm -hmm. but there aren't a ton of resources that I can access readily. So before I wrote this, I had a really long conversation with the, I think it's called the Herbie's Research Institute in Seattle, Washington, Mm -hmm. and kind of poked around to understand the virus more. Do you know how long they've they've been around? The Herpes Research Institute? Yeah. No, we can find out, though. Because I I mean, for a long time growing up, the running joke is that herpes, since it's not technically life-threatening, mm-hmm. it's the joke STD. You like, think? Yeah, definitely. It's it's even referenced in South Park countless times. That it can uh, kill infants, do some serious destruction. Well, okay, sure. For those who are uh, have immune... Pregnant. Yeah, issues. Yeah, I can see that being a problem. But for those who don't, it's it's the it's the misconception <laughs> that even though it is considered an STD, it's the joke STD. Well, I can tell you when it is on my face. It's not a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I it mean, sucks. I am 
there is some humor of like, really, you're going to put this up my nose and it's going to come really. And yeah. then there's scar tissue afterward. Like, yeah. So the reason I ask how long this institute has been around, I think it should be fairly recent, right? Oh, I know what I'm thinking of. It's what? that uh, I think it's a Netflix series where, what's his name? Peta from Hunger Games, the actor. Okay. He is in a series where he plays a video game. And someone from the future comes back to help with the wars that are in the future. And you later find out that there was a doctor who was trying to cure herpes, ended up creating this huge war in the future. Anyway, that's that's why I'm thinking that it's such a joke thing, because it's still considered societally to be a joke. It's a running joke. Herpes is the running STD joke. In your world. I don't know in my world. I think people are pretty I think a lot of people's about world. it in my world. They're scared. I think it has more taboo than a lot of that's probably STIs. more appropriate is the taboo behind it is that it's still considered a joke right. unfortunately anyway so what did we find out about the institute i mean we need a comedian here to put some lightness on let herpes, me call up my maybe. brother yeah i'm sure he has a ton of herpes jokes <laughs> let us you know your at- <laughs> herpes jokes in the comments because it's so funny all right this says that they've renamed it. So it's now the University of Washington Virology, Virology See? Clinic. And why do you clinic. think that is? Because they probably weren't taken seriously. No, it is not. It is because they expanded to study more than herpes. So it says that they were established in 1973 to conduct research on viral sexually transmitted infections. Okay. Their mission to investigate the epidemiology and natural history of herpes simplex virus and evaluate new therapies and vaccines. Currently, their area of special interest is prevention of herpes simplex virus transmission, vaccines, and the interactions between it and HIV. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I first really p- started paying attention to it when I was teaching human sexuality at the university, and we would have I, – I would ask a medical doctor from the campus clinic to come and talk about it, and he would explain how we have oral herpes on our mouths. Most people do. And the reason why we get all weird and angry and just abusive toward each other when it comes to genital herpes is simply because it's below the belt. And so I started to understand sexually transmitted infections like I do the flu or a sore throat, et cetera, et cetera, where it's like, oh, yeah, you get these. This is because of humans living in a communal environment Mm -hmm. and not because anyone should be ashamed that they are infected with someone. Right. And maybe Something. That's, uh, maybe that's also part of it, though. It's the, when you look at that, you think, oh, well, obviously someone was kissing someone. And then that becomes the hee-hee-hee prepubescent immaturity behind it all. I don't know. I'm thinking sometimes humans suck. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes humans suck and just be a fucking human. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's And it's okay to suck sometimes and acknowledge your suckiness. That reminds me. What? Before you started this podcast, remember the conversation we had? Which one of thousands? Well, you were worried that you weren't going to provide good content. I think you were worried about what you had an idea of what the podcast was going to be. Oh, yeah. And I think you said it's just going to be the worst or it's going to suck. Do you remember what I said after that? No, but I want to know again, please. I said, if it's going to suck, then let's make it the suckiest thing that we can possibly imagine. <laughs> let's make this the worst thing and just own that. I feel like <laughs> that's your view on life. 
<laughs> no, I, I like to appropriate different emotions for when it is appropriate. And sometimes that's also acknowledging something. Like, yeah, this Go is a all sh- in. Yeah, this is a shitty situation, but you know what? It'll pass. Or this is a great situation. I'm going to just soak it all in. That's how I like to be a part of it. So, Well, now you're here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We're at episode 30. Yeah. Yeah, it's going. I don't think it sucks. I, I don't think it does. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, I don't think it sucks. We, we didn't try very hard to make it that terrible. <laughs> I hope not. No. Um, Want to do kegels? Feel your kegels if you're able. Main squeeze. I've been doing them the whole time. But yes, let's... Kegels? Kegels? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't been doing Kegels them. is the correct pronunciation, it sounds like. Really? But I keep calling them kegels. Who determines the pronunciation? That is a good question. In this situation, we have been deliberating for probably the last four episodes of the podcast, How to Say It Correctly. And I have a really dedicated fan named Troy who did some research and found out. Huh. I'm going to use two references on his. <laughs> um, I mean, tomato, tomato. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You say kegel. I say, what was it? Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pretty much. So we do them each week mm-hmm. to get stronger. And at least in my personal life, it's working. Uh, yeah. And I can account for my partner as well. Woo. To have, you know, a... A disciplined way to make sure that you're exercising your pubococcygeus muscles, all that pelvic flooring that helps you determine when you do and don't defecate or when you do and don't urinate, Mm -hmm. when you do and don't orgasm. Right. Yeah. Right. I hope you're all doing them right now because I am doing them right now. I have to be careful, though, because for me, the right amount of squeezing and a very specific amount of timing— Actually elicits an orgasm. Really? Mm-hmm. Good for you. Thanks, man. <laughs> wow. I wish I had that ability. You could have that ability. Just start a podcast and make sure it has a Kegel segment. I'm only aware of one. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Okay. I hope people are still doing them. <laughs> so you're so sore tomorrow. I'm. I read somewhere that it's not as... Uh, beneficial for men because it inflames their prostate. Have you read anything about that? I haven't. Okay. Let's do research. Okay. I don't I don't know. I just heard particular maybe it was just opinions. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was Life. actual opinions. Yeah, maybe. full of opinions. I know that the prostate research is really fascinating to me because I think in a questions episode of Sexplations YouTube channel, I was asked whether or not masturbation reduced your risk of prostate cancer or increased it. Hmm. And if you look at the research, it says that it kind of does both. So people who masturbate a lot as a a young person Mm -hmm. tend to have higher rates of prostate cancer. And people who masturbate more as older individuals tend to have lower risk for prostate cancer. And if I'm recalling my more educated self Mm -hmm. and the answer there, it was because people who have higher levels of testosterone are more likely to masturbate as 
in their youth. Mm-hmm. And so it's really the testosterone and not the masturbation that causes or le- can lead to right. the prostate cancer. And that it's actually really important to masturbate if you want to help prevent the inflammation of the prostate or keep it healthy so mm-hmm. that it's not at risk for prostate cancer later. That makes sense. I mean, from a from a bodybuilding forum mm-hmm. in regards to all the biology that's going on, I do know that masturbating or have, having sex more increases your testosterone, which is what a lot of bodybuilders are striving for. So there's a regimented schedule on <laughs> when and how often they have sex. So that falls in line with what you just said. So the testosterone begets interest in sex, which begets testosterone Yeah, it's a, it's a complete loop. I'm curious. I'm going to do more research. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. I also love um, something I read says that if you have a partner with a low sex drive, Mm -hmm. so let's say you're um, a person assigned male at birth, you produce testosterone naturally, you keep that in your body, you have a partner with a lower sex drive because they have less testosterone, and you make out with them, your saliva transmits that testosterone and it can help increase their sex drive. No shit. No shit. Damn. Well, I just need to make up with my partner more, I guess. Yeah. That is one of my recommendations to clients. It's wow. just, can you do 15 seconds a day? Just kiss for 15 seconds a day, hmm. which is really hard. And most of them do not uh, pass their homework. But Yeah. It's funny when you get into the professional lifestyle, mm-hmm. making money, you forget to be fucking human. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's uh, it's it's just a phase. It's just a phase when you get to a certain age and you realize that you want to have more things. That's, I mean, that was one of the many reasons why I decided to leave SciShow. Not that I didn't like it, but because I wasn't spending enough time with my family. So, yeah, do I have less money? Absolutely. <laughs> but I have more time with my family. But not enough makeout time. So I need to do that. Yeah. So Lou used to work for SciShow Mm -hmm. and now is doing all of these fun projects on his own with his little and his wife. Mm -hmm. Well, we shouldn't say little. We should say my kiddo. Because it's it's, it's a different term, isn't it? In some communities. Your kiddo. Yeah, Yeah. my kiddo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't say my little. His son. A whole different thing. Uh, So, yeah, you need more make out time with your wife. Mm -hmm. Although it sounds like both of you have pretty amazing sex drive so that's good i mean when it's there sure yeah you know that's the prioritizing part of it yep maybe robots will take over all of the jobs such as voiceovers and editing and oh. directing it whatever yeah and no it's we'll funny you mentioned sexologists. that the, google is now training voices to sound more human so eventually, voices yeah. Voices to sound more robots. To, robot well, voices. R- robot voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To sound more human. Because mm-hmm. right now it still sounds like a robot, but they're training them with all of the voice-activated stuff out there. It's just a library of information to put cadence into something or pronounce it differently, add different emotions to it. It's fascinating stuff. Add different emotions to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's – yeah, that's that's another reason why I like doing it now because – Eventually, there would be no call for it, I guess. Well, then you can become a sexologist because when you're a sexologist, I can tell you, you don't forget to have sex. You just, it's on your brain all the time. Well, I mean, the way society is moving, we're having less and less sex, right? Yes. So 
that's it's part of the brain that I'm sure eventually will just cease to crave it eventually, right? Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yep. 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 So maybe not in our lifetime. Hopefully not. No. <laughs> just be fucking human. <laughs> just for a little bit longer. The new slogan. All right. Right. Let me see here. Do you give shout outs to your production team at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Good Look for you. at them. I like them. It's a, a simple like, crew. Yeah, <laughs> the, right? The one person crew we have in here with us. Callie is amazing. Very, very uh, flexible and accommodating. So I'm like, I am not there. I can't meet. This person isn't showing up. And she's like, sounds good. I'll bill Michael later. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing we need to do before saying goodbye and handing out our accolades is sextra credit. Assignments are not always bad, so here's some sextra credit. So it's a homework assignment that we give to listeners for them to do in the coming week. Oh, we come up with we one? We come up with one. Oh, okay. I, being into the voice acting thing, the funniest thing that I found is faking an orgasm, but actually... The more that you get into the breathing, the easier it is to do. Not not faking it, but when you apply it in real life, it's it's just much more pleasurable. So I would suggest people practice their breathing, okay. sensual breathing. I think what you're saying is that we all start by faking orgasms. In good fun. In good fun. Yep. Not in a manipulative, lying way. No. And then that process shows us how breathwork works in the moment Mm -hmm. to instigate an actual orgasm. Correct. And then we just replicate that breathwork during sexy times Mm -hmm. and elicit better orgasms. Yeah. And when you're faking and you're (laughs) – I say this laughingly because when it's – when you are with a partner and you're aware that you each other are faking an orgasm, the amount of laughter – elicits a more powerful orgasm later. So because you're breathing heavier. So it's it's just good fun. Yeah, just, just fake orgasms human. with your partners. <laughs> yeah, that sounds it's, even cooler. Yeah. Faking orgasm with your partner, it's hilarious. That's great sexta credit. So the the people who have been listening since episode one, because mm-hmm. I think episode one was the sexta credit homework was for them to create a journal mm-hmm. where they could then put all of their assignments. Okay. And so if you're writing things. Assignment number 30. (laughs) It's have fake orgasms with your partner, but then also write about what the experience was like. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I want to read the comments on that one. That sounds awesome. And then Louie will do voiceovers. I was just thinking that, yeah. (laughs) I will read your comments in the most sensual way. Or, you know, another assignment that would be really cool is to try and put your orgasm experience into words mm. that a voiceover performer. Yeah. Are you a performer? Voiceover performer could perform? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So voice acting is... Voice actor. Mm-hmm. Could perform. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Louie, thank you for being on this Explanations podcast. Yeah. It's fun. Good. I'm glad. It did not suck. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Also, thanks to Cinema Studios and Callie for production to, where are we right now? This is called Complexly. Complexly. Yeah. Do you say- For supporting the show. The name of the studio that you record in, actually? Or is that completely separate? No, but um, for people who are wondering, we are in the Holy Fucking Science 
Yeah. Area, yeah. And uh, the last shout out to Count Boogie, who gives us really sweet jingles. And Cora and Parl, I'm still learning. Yeah.